Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com serious face podcasting is serious business and welcome back to little <laughs> yeah and let me let me just say who mows at six of five on a wednesday someone is mowing out there and i'm like really sir some of us are podcasting i don't know if you can hear sir, some of us are podcasting we have to, like steve is always joking because like i do um like talent interviews for work now uh-huh. A lot during the day. And he's like, we need to get you a I'm recording sign to like put above a bedroom door so I can turn it on when I'm recording. You need that, but for outside so the rest uh-huh. of the world can just, just like blast sky. I need to get a skywriter. Oh, my God. Can I get a skywriter that just says, sir, we're podcasting here. The stakes oh. have never been higher. Podcasting. Hi, yell. Says the iOS app does not let you chat. I did not know that. Thank you for that. Rude, but hi. Hello. I'm glad you're here. Rakakuni um, has lived in my... <laughs> Rakakuni with the triple R has been stuck in my head all <laughs> for the next couple of days, so thank you <laughs> for that. <laughs> I, I'm also... I'm planning... I, I shouldn't put it out there in case it doesn't happen, but I'm planning on trying to watch it this weekend. Bully him, bully him, bully him. I can be bullied, apparently, as you'll find out today. But uh, <laughs> as we're getting to that, um, let's try this again. Yeah. Welcome back to Scarred for Life. No, fuck. Welcome back <laughs> to Little Cuts, our weekly mini-sode where we dig into the things that we've been watching recently. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. <laughs> and this week... Also reading, apparently. My bad. Oh, yeah. I was like, yes, I'm reading off of my phone. I'm sorry. I thought you were calling me out for <laughs> oh, reading. No. I was no. like, 
oh shit, he got me. <laughs> just got real. Fuck no. you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so used to saying watching recently, and I just didn't look ahead this time. That's and, fair. And, That's yeah. fair. Um, but anyway. I'm Mary Beth, by the way, everybody. Hello. Um, this week we're talking about a book of biblically accurate angels, an incredible mm. revisit, Terry gets bullied, <laughs> mm-hmm. an apartment building with secret doors, and a house of ghost cats. Well, ghost one cats. cat, but cat, ghosts and a ghost cat. I'm, I'm here for it, regardless. Me too. <laughs> I'm also very much here for it. All right. Book of biblically accurate <laughs> angels. So everyone who follows me on Twitter has seen my latest hyperfixation, and it is a book called mm. Hell Followed With Us by Andrew Joseph White. It is a new novel that came out in June. It is okay. it is technically YA, but let me tell you, this shit is so gory and disgusting and incredible. So oh. the book... Oh my gosh, hi, sorry. The cat just looked up at me with the most pleading, like, please shut the fuck up look I've ever seen. And I'm I've, I'm embarrassed for myself. Mom, Mom. I'm sleeping here. <laughs> but, okay, the book takes place in 20... A biblical play, 34, after uh, Big has pretty much wiped the earth of, of people, for the most part. Okay. And the, the... It's called The Flood. Capital F, which makes me laugh because if you've ever played Halo, the flood. Anyway, so this virus was created by a group of eco-fascist evangelical terrorists. Uh, eco-fascist evangelical terrorists? terrorists. Yeah, okay. and so they are basically preaching the book of Revelations and that the world must be like... This all takes place after everything's happened. So you're getting a lot of this context, like, through the book about, like, when who made the, the virus, what happened. And so we are – our main character is Benji. He's a trans boy who has basically been given a is, – has become a bioweapon and has been given a form of the virus that will transform him into Seraph, a biblically accurate angel with six wings and basically is a figure who will wipe humanity off of the earth and like oh. kill all the non-believers. And he is actively trying to not fulfill this destiny that he has been, that has been forced upon his body. And so he runs away from New Nazareth, which is where all of the, the religious folks live. And he is then rescued by a group of queer youth, all of whom there's trans, there's trans kids, just gay, gay kids, lesbians, non-binary folks. Like they basically are a group of young queer resistance people who are actively hunting. They're called angels, but they're soldiers of the Lord. They don't call and they're humans. And then, so it's Benji basically trying to fight off his fate. There's no cure for it. So like he is the whole book. He's literally physically falling apart and his skin is falling off and like his teeth are growing like all sharp and his, it's like fucked up, but it's really good. And I just finished it last night and it is an incredible. I am obsessed with biblically accurate angels. I don't know oh, why. I know. I, you know this about me. I am obsessed with it. This is the first piece of media in a very long time that has been like, this is tailored specifically to your weird fucked up interests. And it's 
incredible. And there's like a little bit of love story to it because it's YA, but it's like a okay. really gross, fucked up love story. And everything's oh. gross. And there's these things called graces that are people who are infected with the flood, but don't die. And they become like giant, mutated, fucked up, gross creatures that scream because okay. their souls are being tortured. Jesus. Literally. Uh-huh. It's great. What, what's what's it called again? Hell followed with us. I am and the adding cover this art to my list. It's incredible because it is oh, Benji. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like hello. And like it's so gay and it's so gross. And it does this inc- an incredible job of looking at body horror in relation to dysphoria, but also explicitly talking about the experience of dysphoria and like play and doing a lot of really interesting stuff with also using um, autistic characters as well. And it's just like incredible representation and it's really fucking good and gross and scary. So that's awesome. I just added it to my wish list. Yes. Yeah. I read it on my Kindle and then I was like, I need to have this physical copy because the Mm -hmm. cover art is so pretty. So uh, it's, it's like 400 pages. And I devoured it really fast because it was I've like been hyper fixating on it. But yeah, so I've talked about this all over their Twitter. Everyone, please read it. It is an incredible book and it is gory. So like if you are body horror averse, don't read this one. <laughs> but it's very, 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 very well written. So hell yeah, that has been like the biggest thing I've been like, I started it on Friday and I finished it yesterday, and that's only because I haven't been home for the 4th of July. I'm surprised I didn't finish it on Friday. Highly recommend that one. Um, but, uh, Terry, what, what what about you getting bullied? Well, Mary Beth, I don't know if you know this about me, <laughs> but a couple times in the podcast now, it's come up that I have not seen Bram Stoker's Dracula. Apparently, I and every single time, every single-, <laughs> every single time, you're like, what? <laughs> You haven't? And every single time, I'm like, Mary Beth. You literally talked about this before. Literally talked about this. And then I send you a text, and you're like, are you watching this? And I was like, yeah. And you're like, first time? And I'm like, Mary Beth. I mean, I know podcasting brain is a thing, but come on now. <laughs> and I had to go back on Twitter to remind myself that this wasn't some fever dream. And so <clears throat> I have my phone up here. <laughs> Terry gets bullied. What Mary Beth gets bullied? <laughs> Turn about is fair play, bitch. It's true. That's what I'm scared it's to say. It's true. It's true. The 30th of May, we tweet out that we talked with um, Luke Boyce about Revealer, which is uh, the millionth time it's come up that I have not seen Bram Stoker's Dracula on the podcast. And then um, someone at Grim Reviewer says, Gaggy Dreadful, you really need to watch Bram Stoker's Dracula with a really cute gif of um, um, Gary Oldman looking young and hot. And then... I said, oh, my God, I know. I'll try to watch it this weekend. It didn't happen that weekend. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and then I get a, t- a tweet from Mary Beth saying, bully him, in all caps. <laughs> I'm so mean. I forget how mean I am. <laughs> <laughs> so here we are. A month it's change later, and I finally have had time to watch Bram Stoker's Dracula. Okay. So, I hated us. it. I hated it. Are you serious? So much. Yeah, I thought it was terrible. No, I loved. I absolutely loved it. I was enamored I was like, from the very beginning. Like, my eyes started getting watery. 
Dracula. Um, uh, what I realized is when I started watching it that I had seen the opening um, cold open because uh, oh, one of my okay. teachers in in college played it as as some kind of metaphor. I don't remember exactly what, he, what point he was trying to make, but like talking about metaphor and he's and I remember because I remember the the muscle armor. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> and the bleeding cross. And then I also had another memory that was unlocked and it sent me down a little bit of, of a rabbit hole. Oh no. So we're doing this live y'all and, um, EL per, per, per I apologize. I, I always feel like I'm saying that name wrong. It said that their tablet crapped out just as the Bram Stoker's discussion started. So I apologize. You'll have to listen to the episode, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So it also unlocked this memory though, that I played on Sega CD Bram Stoker's Dracula, the video game. What? <laughs> There's a video game of that? Oh, there is a video game. And they released it on SNES. They released it on a bunch of things. But on the Sega CD version, they had FMV, really shitty FMV. Like, they ripped from someone's VHS tape type FMV, like, clips from the movie that they would play in between stages to create... I guess, a narrative. And in the stages, you run around as Jonathan Harker punching and kicking bats and rats and, and spiders. That's the that's the, the game. But I played the shit out of it because I wasn't allowed to as a kid to watch this movie. And so that is how I watched some of the movie. Because uh, I remember in particular the moment where they approach Bat Dracula, Batcula, and he like, and the, co- the cross bursts into flames. Like, I remember mm. that scene. And I remember okay. the, um, when I, is it Lucy when she's in the flowing white? Really oh, yeah. And like the crazy collar outfit. Beetlejuice like <laughs> dress, like showing up like that. Like, I remember those scenes. Um, but no, I love this movie. This movie is horny on Maine. Uh, yo. It um, is. Jonathan and Parker's <sighs> gushing blood nipples. Like, Okay. Video exclusive hand movement. <laughs> uh, yeah, the wolf fucking Lucy outside. Uh, Is that so hot? It's, I can't even discuss it. I, I don't even... Every time I'm like... I, Why is it so hot? Why is it so hot? It's just so hot. The movie is so I, hot. Like, everything about it, it is. is just like... <laughs> it's and very like, horny. It's so horny. There's... My favorite, my favorite memory of this movie is when I watched it when I was like, I think I was like, I was around the age of 13, perhaps younger. Oh. Yeah. My dad thought it'd be a good idea. Mm. Shocking. And you got to learn about women and wolves at some point. You do. You really do. And then uh, the, the orgy part with. (laughs) <laughs> the, the vampire brides that was the Just part I like, cover cover my eyes in that was the one where I was they were like cover your eyes but not the wolf fucking part just the threesome it, you know this makes my patty cake story seem like really tame in comparison I'm just saying I'm so glad you like but okay I'm so glad you liked it number one incredible movie Two, Keanu Reeves' accent is fucking horrible in that movie. Okay, <laughs> there is, I, and I forgot to write it down, but there was one line delivery that I really wish I remembered because uh, I, I literally had my laptop open and I didn't take a single note um, while watching this movie. But there was a line delivery that I was like, "Rewind <laughs> one more time." <laughs> like, okay, um, like I love Keanu Reeves, but. Uh, his performance in this movie is is so. It's um, not it. It's not no. It. It really isn't. As much as I love him, but 
everyone else, I think this movie is fantastic. I love that I, I went on a deep dive about how like pretty much ninety nine percent of the effects were done in camera. Like they didn't oh, do didn't any 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 visual effects afterwards. So like everything that is shot pretty much, aside from the little lightning circle in the beginning of the movie when Keanu is approaching the castle. Oh, um, and then yeah, like yeah, yeah. Something else later. You didn't tell me I, Gary didn't shoot real lightning out of his fingers when they were rolling up. <laughs> but everything else was done with like rear projection, with like because he wanted to make everything crazy. practical. And I'm like, okay, I see you. This movie is even more fantastic because of that. And the score, oh my god, the score in this movie is to die for. Oh, and like I know Gary Oldman's a shit, and like he's kind of a bad dude, but he's so hot. In this movie. Oh. He's incredibly hot in this movie. Um, I love his titty hair, too, when he's old. Okay, this is one thing that, and I cannot wait in horror comedy, because I'm going to make you watch this movie, but it is hard watching this movie after watching um, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Because oh. that movie is a parody of this movie in a lot of ways. Oh. And there is a scene where um, Leslie Nielsen playing Dracula yeah. takes off his hairdo as it's as it's a hat. <laughs> and we're gonna watch this movie because I could quote this movie like verbatim. But anyway, Ooh, I loved Dra- I love Bram Stoker's Dracula. I'm so glad. Oh, thank you, thank you, God. So, I, I would be really Beth concerned if you didn't like it. But. And grim reviewer, you can stop bullying me now. No, I'll I find something else it. to bully you about. <laughs> I bullied you online last week. I'll bull you again. <laughs> cyber, cyber bullying is my love language. And he also is bullying him about RRR. I'm, I'm going to try to watch it this weekend. I Ha-ha, will not promise, but I will a step below promise. I understand that one's that one is also understandable. It is very long, but I oh, but like she said, like they say, you can do two 90 minute runs. It's true. Um, okay, what is this incredible revisit? Okay, so Steve and I have been having a, a very stressful couple of days for a lot of reasons, whatever. So on Friday, we were like, do we want to do edibles and watch a movie? And we were like, yeah, we do. The answer is always yes. And the answer is always yes, because it's just like, yeah, fuck it, it's Friday. I'm exhausted. I want to just have a good time. So um, the movie that we picked is the 2003 classic League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, starring Sean Connery as Alan Quartermain. (laughs) And when I tell you that I had not thought about this movie in so long, and I watched it, and it was so fun. Yes, it is not a good movie, but goddamn, if one, that movie is not dumb, action-y, 20, like early aughts action spectacle at its finest. And two, it is the most bisexual movie ever to exist. I tweeted about this because I have no filter on any platform. Wait, is it really the name of the character in the soap opera in General Hospital, Alan Quartermate? Yeah, it is. But so the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, based on the comic by Alan Moore, who wrote Watchmen and V for Vendetta, these are very different. Do not, there's no, as with most things Alan Moore writes and then what, how they are taken into the world of cinema, very different. Mm-hmm. But here, it's basically all of these like figures of legend coming together to fight 
crime. So Alan Quartermain, who is, you know, known to be like a white guy in Africa, like hunting. Uh, Tom Sawyer's in it. Um, it's like the Avengers. Mina, yeah, Mina Harker is in it. Of the Captain, literary world. Yeah, Mina Harker, Dracula. Uh, mm-hmm. She's in it. Captain Nemo from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. We have The Invisible Man. We have Dorian Gray. We have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Like, we got... Yeah. We, it's a who's who of all that stuff. And it's like... I'd say gothic, but it's not necessary. It's not just gothic, but like Victorian era heroes mm-hmm. and monsters. They're all fighting crime together. They make a little group, the League. And of course, there's one woman, because there has to be. Of course. Um, and they're fighting fighting bad guys who want to do bad things to the world. And it's incredible because it is just what it is. I mean, Captain Nemo's the best part. He's got giant... The Nautilus is this ridiculously giant ship that just pops out of the water in Venice. And you're like, cool, I guess that's, that's happening. And um, Stuart Townsend of Queen of the Dan fame... Who plays Lestat in that movie? Lestat. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he was Lestat. Lestat. So Lestat, <laughs> Lestat from Queen of the Damned plays um, Dorian Gray, who is very gay in this movie and very bisexual. And then there's also it's Mina Harker, and they are the two bisexuals of this movie. And it's just very gay, queer, campy energy going on all around. And it was a very good time, and I'm glad I rewatched it. It's on HBO Max streaming. If anyone wants to go down that particular memory lane. Highly recommend it. I saw this in the movie theaters when it came out, and I remember not liking it. But again, this was, I would have been 22, so I was like, oh, you yeah. know, my anti, uh nothing can be fun, like, type of. Oh, know. yeah. I loved this movie when I saw it because I was younger and, like, loved, mon- like, weird, crazy monster stuff. And also, I think, probably a sex thing, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> but, like... That's fine. And now I'm like, oh, no, like, this movie is not good, but it is so, it's, like, fucking fun. And it's so silly. And it's great. So, um. What, random note. <clears throat> the director, Stephen Norrington. Yes! Was an actor in Return to Oz. He played Gump. The, uh, talking, what is that? Reindeer? Guy that they turn into, like, a plane? He also yeah. directed Blade. <laughs> Wait, he directed Blade? He directed the first Blade movie. <laughs> Oh, I didn't realize that. So he directed he directed Blade, League of Extraordinary oh, Gentlemen, and then two other movies. That was his last movie. And then he that was, was his in... last directorial movie. <laughs> I don't think it um, did too well for his career. But yeah, so that I just it was a fun revisit of something I had not thought about Good. in a long time, and it was just like a okay, yeah. So I've been watching a lot of TV, like a lot, mm. and like not enough to talk about it. So that was. My fun little revisit. But then what is this apartment building with secret doors? <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way of like describing it. So <laughs> back in, in 2021, uh, this TV show called Only Murders in the Building came out. And I had started watching it. I had watched like the first three episodes and then I got sidetracked because it was a week to week. It was a week to week show and I just forgot about it. Um, and so... This weekend, I was like, I have time. I really want to get back into this show. So I I rewatched the entire first season. And then I proceeded to, because I have screeners, rewatched the entire, um, well, eight of the ten episodes of season two. So I watched Ooh. almost two seasons of this show. And in, if you haven't if you haven't watched it, it's um, it has Steve Martin in it, and Martin Short, and Selena Gomez, and Amy Ryan, 
Amy Ryan's What's in his bucket? it? Oh, Nathan, wow. yeah, Amy Ryan is is fantastic in it, and Nathan Lane and a bunch of cameos. Sting has a cameo um, <laughs> in the first season as someone that is renting uh, the penthouse suite at the top of this this uh, apartment building, and then in the second season, Amy Schumer has purchased the uh, penthouse and is living up in the penthouse version of it. Um, but it's about these these three people, Steve Martin's character, Charles, Martin Short's Oliver, and Selena Gomez's Mabel, who who live in the apartment building, don't really know each other, but um on the on one night someone pulls an alarm for a fire, everyone evacuates. They they all three listen to the same podcast. They just don't realize it yet. It's a, it's a true crime podcast that is hosted by Tina Fey. Well, not Tina Fey, but Tina Fey playing a character. We all know how much I love Tina Fey. Oh, yes. Her character's name is Cinda Canning, which is just like the perfect podcaster name. Cinda <laughs> Canning. And she hosts this podcast about that they're like all addicted to. They discovered that they were all three addicted to it. And then that night when the alarm was pulled, they realized someone was murdered in the building. But all the doctors are saying that, um, or doctors, all the cops are saying that it was a suicide. <laughs> but they're like, no, this person was murdered. And so they decide to make a true crime podcast about the murder in the building. And they call it Only Murders in the Building because that's all they're going to focus on. And the first season is about that murder. It gets wrapped up. I'm not going to spoil it in case you haven't watched it yet. But then someone else dies and Mabel gets implicated for that person's death. And so season two is all of a sudden Cinda, Cinda Canning's podcast is following them as they're also trying to make a podcast of the, this follow-up murder that's happening in the building. And season two opens up the, the, the story a lot more. It's a bit, it's a little bit less focused. Um, what I really like about it is that it will take characters that are just side characters and pretty much do an entire episode about them so that you all of a sudden oh. are like, oh, this person who seems like a complete utter jackass is actually someone who's kind of interesting. It, it's just there's there's a lot to it. There's a lot of really it's, it's a very warm show for something about, you know, murder in a building. And the, in the second season, you find out that there's like secret passages in amongst all the rooms and stuff. And so it starts to like open up the building and they're like all of a sudden realizing that people could be watching them and they're watching other people. So there's like a voyeuristic thing to it that kind of pulls into the whole true crime aspect of it. And they have groupies that are trying to solve the crime and are, you know, complaining about how the, the storyline in the second season isn't moving as fast as the first. Like there's a lot of meta type stuff going on there. That's just, it's just, it's delightful. It's just delightful. I've heard that it's delightful. And I want to, I, it's on Hulu, right? Is it on Hulu? It mm-hmm. like pops up on Hulu whenever I go to watch Real Housewives, and I'm like, I should fucking watch this. And and thirty I, minute and episodes, very and quick. Heard, and it's like Steve Martin and Steve Martin and Martin Short. Short. I love Martin Short. I love him. He's so I love him funny. so much. I know he really is. I, Cool. I mean, and it's also nice to see him playing a character that's not like a total caricature. I feel like he plays a lot of like crazy mm-hmm. characters because he's really good at Jiminy it, obviously. Jiminy Glick. Exactly. So, but it's kind of like, I, I haven't seen the show, but it seems like he's more of like a person and not like mm-hmm. a complete caricature of something, yeah. which is cool. And Amy Ryan plays a bassoonist who, um, <laughs> <laughs> who Steve Martin's character hears out the, out the window and they have, because, you know, Steve Martin plays he plays uh, the accordion and he plays, but he's a, you know, he's an instrumentalist, but like, so like he's out there and they're having like a duet across the, across the the field of them playing. And there's a little love story going on there. And it's just, it's a delightful show. 
Cool. Okay. Cool. I love it. Now, let's talk about houses and ghosts and ghost cats. What did we watch for our, our horror comedy this week? So for our horror comedy of the week, we talked about the 1977 film Hausu or House, um, directed by Nobuhiko Obayashi. Yeah, we sure did. And it was my first time watching it all the way through. Uh, and this movie's a masterpiece. <laughs> it really is. This movie's a it fucking really masterpiece. Is. What's it about? <laughs> okay, what is this movie about? So there is like a plot, <laughs> kind of. So um, after the death of her mother, uh, eight years ago, her mother died, Gorgeous, which is her name, takes a trip to the country to visit her aunt at their ancestral house. She visits her six friends, Prof, Melody, Mac, Fantasy, Kung Fu, and Sweet. And they all arrive um this like country house and the aunt is like eccentric has a little bob haircut some glasses and a wheelchair and they're like you're so fun and then the house starts acting real weird and it comes to and then (laughs) understatement of the decade basically it's a haunted it's a haunted house movie but like in a way that's just like oh okay but yeah it's a haunted house movie but unlike any haunted house movie you've ever seen and probably will ever see as I took in my notes, it is the warmest, most upbeat bloodbath of a movie. That's so. I was thinking that too because there's a point. What point was I thinking that? I think they were like there was the two of there was two two characters left, and they're like on a door, and like the house is filling up with blood. Blood. Some blood. Uh-huh, and like uh-huh. the music is so silly. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, all right. Like I respect this entirely. What I love about this film, um, I'm gonna see where where I had it. So okay. Toho, the studio that, mm-hmm. that did this movie, was tired of losing money on comprehensible films <laughs> and were ready to, ready to let Obayashi direct the house script, which they felt was incomprehensible. So the only reason this movie got made was because they were losing money on comprehensible films. And they originally were not going to let him direct it because he was not um, on their on their board of, of filmmakers, but no one else wanted to direct it because they were afraid it was going to ruin their career. And meanwhile, Obayashi just like, hold my fucking beer, bitch. And then it's just like the best movie ever. Like the best haunted house movie I've ever seen with some of the coolest visuals. Yeah. And he, oh he's, there, there's a, there's a point on Wikipedia where they're talking about how Obayashi went to his preteen daughter, um, to to kind of get her ideas because he thought adults only think about things they understand and everything stays on that boring human levels while children can come up with things that can't be explained. Some of the things that 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 she suggested were real life fears of her, including having a pile of futons falling on her. And I'm like, is that a real thing? Were you afraid of futons falling on you as a kid, Mary Beth? Just like being crushed by futons? Because that makes it into the movie. It's not futons, but like... I never, never really thought about it. <laughs> I hadn't either. I was like, what kind of fears is that? Well, but I, I, I do think, though, in Japan, and I ha- I'm not totally sure, but like, especially in more traditional houses, like the beds roll up or you put them against oh. the wall. So mm. you don't have, like, there is like a bed frame like we have here at like a lot of houses. Like in traditional Japanese houses, it's all like laid out on the ground when you go to bed and put back up. So that probably makes a little bit more sense. If that's why she's scared of it. Her other fear was getting her fingers caught in between piano keys. Which... Okay, that scene ruled and was 
I, I took a oh. screenshot of when the fingers are just standing up on the piano oh, I love keys. It. They're just oh, dancing on so the keys, good. severed fingers. But like, it's really quite impressive what they're able to accomplish. Like, obviously, it looks fake, but what's the best part? Because I think they know, like, oh, this isn't gonna look real. Like, we're, we, this is gonna look silly, and mm. we're just gonna lead into that and make it look. He just wanted like, it to look as if a kid made it. And it's, I mean, he accomplishes that goal. Uh, my favorite part is when her face starts coming off like paper and there's fire underneath her skin. Oh, I love it. And it, it, like again, it just looks so good. The dancing skeleton's my favorite. Oh my god, the dancing skeleton in the background as she's playing the piano and it's trying to eat her and it's just like, my favorite. My other favorite is in the very beginning when, because they're like, the, the, young, the young women are like giggling over uh, Mr. Togo, their teacher, right? And they have this book and he is pointing out the pistol and the stamen of a flower. And I'm like, those are the flowers for productive organs. That's hilarious. Like, it's just such a small little throw up line where he's like showing them basically their reproductive organ organs. And I'm just like, okay, I love this. It's, it's also, just... sorry, go ahead. I was just going to, I, I, I think I believe firmly that Sam Raimi watched this movie because it has the same kind of kinetic camera, the slapstick humor, the house coming alive and attacking the blood pouring out of everything that he would use in evil dead and evil dead two in particular. I just, I feel like this movie, he probably saw it and it, it just influenced him. Like the fucking Max head coming out of them, out of the well, and then biting one of their asses. <laughs> but <laughs> oh my god! But it, it's true. Like, and I was thinking a lot about like how many people watched this movie and were influenced by it, and like how how I really do think about how much like Asian cinema has influenced Western mm-hmm. cinema, and how like there were so many filmmakers in Japan that were making things that were just so out of the box and wild. And I mean, I think it's crazy that Toho was like, yeah, everything's everything comprehensible is bullshit. Let's make something that makes no goddamn sense. I wish that was our perspective nowadays, because Mm. I feel like that would solve so many problems. We were just like, fuck fuck narrative cohesion. Let's just like have a good time and do some crazy shit and just be like, don't worry about the story. Like, Sometimes you just want a vibe. And that's what house is. Spooky, it, fun vibes. Spooky, fun vibes. Sometimes you just want a, pi- a grand piano to, like, eat someone and and have them in half. Just, like, it's, ah, it's, like it's, like, playing crazy music. It's like a bad haunted house at a carnival, but scary, mm. if that makes any sense. Like, the vibe of a bad haunted house, you're like, what the hell? But it's still scary and there's blood. <laughs> and you're like, I, I'm a little bit terrified, but having a good time, I'm not really sure what's going on. That's this movie, and it's incredible. And of course, there's cat. There's a cat, an evil love the cat. Cat, which is great. But I am so sad. I had waited so long to see it, but now I have, and I am obsessed with it. I watched it sober. I want to try watching it not sober. Oh, I can only imagine how this this film would play like in a movie theater, full of like Ugh. a rowdy group. Like I just, this is like it's gotta be so I, fun. I love this movie. I love this movie. And it's like, it's so, it's so aware of what it is that it doesn't, it never takes itself seriously. And especially at the beginning when they introduce all of the the girls with like the very like sitcom-y way of having the little circle. Uh And they're like, it's Kung Fu, fantasy, melody. It's just, it's so fucking funny the way it's constructed. 
but well, gorgeous I loved it. at the same time. Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, I, I just I love how they are like in this movie establishing tropes for characters, right? Yes. And boiling them down to just a name that embodies them. Fantasy is is Prof. constantly like think prof right is the smart one fantasy is in her head melody plays the piano gorgeous is is pretty kung fu she's great at you know attacking things and doing you know karate type stuff i just i i love it it's incredible 10 out of 10 no notes cannot wait to watch it again this was so fun but so then what's our next horror comedy (laughs) okay so we're gonna dip into the the parody realm uh, I don't know Love if you've seen Perry. this one before, Mary Beth, but 1981's Student Bodies. I think I have seen it once, but I don't remember much about it, except that it's a parody in the same way of like Airplane and those type of movies. Oh. So, uh, I think it's a slasher film. Okay, I've heard, I've seen the poster. The 13 and a half murders plus 1,423 laughs equals student bodies. It's the tagline on Letterboxd. <laughs> Okay. Uh, all right. Okay, yeah. All right. I'm excited. Parody time. But what's a not a parody, who are we talking with on Monday, Mary Beth? Okay. So we are talking on Monday with the incredible Dr. Heather Petrocelli. She mm. is a horror academic who in 2019 did a huge survey of queer horror huge. fans. And she is ter- for her dissertation. And now she is turning that dissertation into a book called Queer for Fear, Horror Film and the Queer Spectator. And she brought with her uh, Silkwood. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a biography about uh, Karen Silkwood, the woman who worked at a plutonium plant and was um, poisoned and d- died. Just a whistleblower. In mysterious circumstances. Yep. Uh Real life yeah. person. Real life horror. Yeah. Whew. It's something. So um talk a lot about that. And shares in it. So get ready yeah. for that. It's a and really I'll good it's actually what. a really, really, really good conversation for a movie that I was like, I don't I don't know what the service is gonna go, but it's a really incredible conversation. Um Heather's, long one too. I think yeah. it goes over our, our typical episode, but um Heather is just she was fantastic. And we spent the yeah. first 40 minutes just talking about queer horror and talking about like all of that kind of shit. And it just, I was like, this is, oh, this is so great. I, yeah, this was such a good conversation. Friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Silkwood is way gayer than you think. I, I didn't mm. know. So Mm-mm. that's fun too. We talk about how this movie actually is pretty damn queer. So uh, mm-hmm. that is going to be our Monday episode, everybody. The listeners you've heard from us, you've seen us maybe. Yeah. We want to hear from you. Have you read or watched anything we've talked about this week and have thoughts? Do you have suggestions for things that we should be watching or reading? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com or reach out to us directly on Twitter. I am at MV McAndrews. And I'm a Gaily Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast at Scarred Podcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. And also, I don't know if you've watched, but... We're put, we put uh, the last week's little cuts on YouTube. We're going to put this week's little cuts on YouTube. We're testing the waters. Um, we're recording this live, as, as, as we heard earlier. Um, we're doing some things. We're testing things out for a potential Patreon. So uh, watch it. Let us know what you think. And make sure you're following along with us. Please and thank you. It means the best. The best? Mm-hmm. The world? It means the best. It means the, wor- it means the best. Um, 
Anyway, thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you everyone for watching and listening. Please stay safe out there, but most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.